0: Hi folks, I'm Bob Main and welcome to another episode of today's Survival Show. Helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Happy New Year everybody! This is the first episode of 2014. I hope all of you had a great Christmas season. I hope it was merry, I hope it was bright. I hope that your new year came in with a lot of positives to it, and if not, I hope it turns around and becomes positive for you. I'm starting off 2014 with some new goals. I'm kind of like a lot of the rest of you. You know, I'm I'm a practical guy, and that's why this is a practical show. I don't go tinfoil hat on you. I keep this show rooted in common sense. You know, because who am I? I'm an everyday guy. I'm not a survival writer. I'm not some kind of an expert. I'm not, you know, somebody like uh, some of the folks that I interview on this show that that live their life, you know, teaching this stuff. I do live a preparedness life, but I don't teach it. What you hear when you listen to this show is you hear a practical, common-sense guy like me, and you hear about my journey to becoming more prepared. And I'll redefine that again pretty soon. Because I thought I would start 2014 with some new goals and a redefinition. But the title of this show is called A Long Drawn Out Malaise. And I'll explain that. I'll explain what I mean by a long drawn out malaise. I think I'm going to... Well, you know, I'm fairly sure that's what's going to happen. And Glenn Tate talks about this a little bit. Well, actually, he writes about it a lot in his book series two hundred and ninety nine days you know if you read that book series you're going to find out that that's pretty much what he what he says what he thinks is going to happen it's going to be a long drawn out malaise before i get into the main topic i have a thank you for all of you thank you very much for all the support that many of you gave me over the Christmas holiday. You purchased a lot of products through my Amazon link. Thank you very much. I know some of you had a problem accessing the Amazon link, and I figured out that it wasn't completely compatible with some of the browsers out there, especially mobile browsers. So I've put a direct link now in, on my Amazon store Page. So if you go to www.todayssurvival.com, that's two S's in that address, www.todayssurvival.com, and if you go to the Amazon store page, there's a direct link and all you got to do is click that. It'll work with any browser, and that'll take you straight into my Amazon store. I hope you keep on doing it. Thank you very much. Every time you make a purchase on Amazon through my store, it helps my show. As you know, folks, I run a commercial-free show. I've been getting a lot of compliments about that. The other podcast that I do called The Handgun World podcast is not 100%, but it's about 98% commercial-free. People seem to like that. so. The only way this show exists is if you support it by making purchases through Amazon or purchasing some of my Survival Champions Club podcasts, which I'm going to talk about again a little bit later in the show, because I have a surprise for everybody. But let's get right into the main topic, and I'll save that stuff for later. Some changes for 2014, some changes in my preparedness outlook, some changes for this show... And then I'm going to talk about a long-drawn-out malaise. My plans for 2014 for today's survival show. It's probably going to have a little bit of a different feel to it, a little bit of a different format to it than what you're used to. I do plan on having even more guests. I do plan on putting together that group podcast pretty soon, ...of some people that have been major contributors to this show. I would like to get Tabitha and her husband. Um, I call her the Macy's Girl Prepper. Actually, Mexican Joe gave her that name. Thank you, Mexican Joe. So I'm, I'm borrowing that. <laughs> Thumper Lane is what she's known as on the Internet. I plan on getting Teen Prepper together. And, of course, uh, Joe and Dave from Northeast Texas and White Bear... Hopefully we can get a lot of these folks, maybe even Glenn Tate, to join us. Some of the major contributors the last year or so that have been helping this show exist and grow and give you guys some excellent ideas. I you know I want to get them. I want to try to do a couple of group podcasts on Skype. There will be a theme to it. But I do plan on doing more of that. It's not going to be a reality show. Don't, don't worry about that. One guy emailed me and said, Bob, please don't turn today's survival show into a reality show. Well, you know, I'm not really going to do that. But, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of a reality show. I mean, here's the reality. I'm driving right now in the mobile studio. I'm cruising down the freeway. I'm headed out to do some business. Because most of you know I'm a sales guy. My full-time job... I'm an outside sales. Been in outside sales 28 years. I do a lot of driving. I estimate in 2014 I'm probably going to drive probably 2,500 miles a month. Pretty much. So anyway, so I'm in the mobile studio and I'm talking to you about prepping. That's kind of reality, isn't it? But it's not a reality show like you think. But anyway, 2014, that's... That's going to be more of the format of the show. You might hear some shorter episodes, but more hard-hitting with more ideas. One of the things that I have learned, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. I don't know about you. Tell me if you're like me. I don't know. I don't like super long podcasts. I mean, there's one show that I listen to that's like nearly two hours long. It's not a radio show either. It's a podcast for a couple of hours. It's tough. Folks, I'm busy. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of time. I don't have that much time to be listening for two hours. And besides that, two hours about the same general topic kind of gets long. When I learned public speaking, when I learned the art of public speaking back when I was uh, 25 years old when I learned it, I learned the art of brevity. Let me share that with you. The art of brevity. Some people take 15 minutes to say something that can be said in three or four minutes. Uh, have you ever met someone like that? I don't want to be that person. So, brevity is the spice of life in my opinion and I'm going to try to be a little bit more brief but a little bit more hard hitting with some good ideas and I may post these more than once a week as well. I've been doing once a week but it's, it, it, it's going to regularly come out on Sundays, Sunday afternoons, but there might be a middle of the week show here and there. So, check your feeds. If you listen to me on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or any other kind of a podcatcher software or even if you just go to the website, uh, check those feeds quite a bit for new episodes this year. Okay, okay. so what's a long drawn out malaise? Well, what I mean by a long drawn out malaise is let me refer to an article. Now, before I left on my trip, I I read this article that I'm going to reference twice and I printed out a few key parts of the article. And uh, I I like to tape show notes to the dashboard of my car and print them in big font so that I can safely drive and look at them while I'm talking to you. And this is written by a Wall Street advisor. Now get this. I don't know if you know about this. This article came out December 26th, 2013. It's written by a Wall Street advisor that recommends guns and ammo for protection in a collapse. A Wall Street advisor. Now, he said that's one of the last things on the list. He says more stuff you're going to really like, but how about that, huh? A Wall Street advisor? Hmm. Hmm. He's kind of got an inside look at a lot of this stuff, huh? That's one reason why I appreciate Glenn Tate's books. He's got an, Glenn's got an inside look at a lot of what's going on inside the government. Now, most of you know that this is not a political show. It's not a religious show. I think a lot of you right now, if you know you've been following me long enough, either on this podcast or on Facebook, you know my religious views and you know my political views, but I am not going to impose them on you. So I'm not going to get on this podcast all the time and talk about politics and religion. If you want to hear that stuff, there's other places that you can hear plenty of that stuff. I'm going to try to keep this show family-friendly and free of that kind of stuff. But what the government does has a huge effect on our life, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not just Democrats, it's not just Republicans. Both are the problem. Both are the problem and both have been the problem for many years. But this top financial advisor, um, his name is David John Morata. He's a Wall Street expert and financial advisor and a Forbes contributor. Okay, so he also writes for Forbes magazines. Here's what he said in a note to investors... How about that? I thought that was kind of interesting. A note to investors. He said, firearms should be last on your list, but they should be on the list. He said, there are terrible people in this world, and you're safer when your trusted neighbors have firearms and when you have firearms. Now, here's what's interesting, okay? He also wrote that he worried that Obamacare... The NSA spying scandal and spiraling national debt is increasing the chances for a fiscal and social disaster. And he's recommending that Americans prepare a bug-out bag, and he used those words exactly, that includes food and a gun and ammo to help them stay alive. Again, this is a Wall Street advisor who is also a Forbes magazine contributing. You know what this tells me? This tells me that this long, drawn-out malaise that I think the country is going to go through or is probably already going through. Matter of fact, we've probably been going through this long, drawn-out malaise for quite a few years now. And it's just going to continue. It's going to be slowly. I don't think the collapse is going to happen quickly, but he feels he feels that it's a reality. And I think he's trying to wake up the Wall Street suits He's trying to wake up those suits on Wall Street and everybody else in America that this is coming. This shows me. This shows me that preparedness, survival continues to keep going mainstream. What do you think? Do you think it's going mainstream? What's happening out there when you're talking to people about it? Or or do you talk to people about it? You should. And... A lot of people now, with course, you know, with the whole Obamacare imploding and blowing up, and again, this is not a political show; it's just reality. I like—I like to be a realist. I don't like to, you know, deny things about what's going on. It's starting to, you know, it's starting to really, really, really wake people up. It seems like it's kind of waking people up, sort of like September 11th did. Sort of like September 11th, 2001, when people kind of got woken up. That's when I got slapped alongside the head and got woken up again. But David John Morata, a Wall Street expert and financial advisor and a Forbes contrib- contributor, is is writing about this stuff. And his memo is part of a series addressing the potential for a financial apocalypse. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that article, the, that financial apocalypse that he talks about. I'm going to discuss that a little bit on this episode here. But I want to continue with, with where I'm at and these show notes right now that I've got in front of me, and then I'll continue on. And he says that he fears that, that some people are not paying attention to this stuff. And his view, however, is that the problems plaguing the country won't result... In Armageddon. Now I got to say I agree with him there. I, I've been saying that now for four years on this show. I and that's what I mean, folks, when I say I don't go tinfoil hat on you. You know we're not. I don't <clears throat> okay, I'm not going to say we're not going to have Armageddon. I mean, my religious beliefs pretty much point to that. But by the time that happens, folks, it's all over anyway. Okay. Let's talk about what leads up to that. And that's what you got to survive. you got to survive what leads up to that. And he's talking, you know, Mr. is talking about finances here. Obviously, he's a Wall Street advisor. He contributes to Forbes magazine. So he says that there's a possibility that the precipitous decline that we're going to go through... Although a long and drawn out malaise, that's much more likely than the possibility of Armageddon. Again, to quote him exactly, he says, There is a possibility of a precipitous decline, although a long and drawn out malaise is much more likely. I think he's correct. Matter of fact, you know, he says there's a possibility of a precipitous decline, yes. And then he says a long and drawn-out malaise is much more likely. Uh, I would disagree with him on that, Mr. Murata. It's not much more likely. It's happening. It's happening. The long, drawn-out malaise right now is happening. We are slowly, very, ever so slowly declining. And this is why so many people don't see it. This is why so many people are still clueless, because it's happening slowly. The government's very clever, folks. The government is very clever clever. And I think everybody's in on all this. Okay, I I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist on this, but I just I'm a a realist here. I believe in reality. If you just look at what's going on, there are not nearly enough politicians with the political will to change things. You have a few and they're being ridiculed. Okay? This (laughs) lust and thirst for power On all levels, not just the federal government, but states are being more oppressive. Even local governments being more oppressive. I think what's going on here is this malaise is happening and they're doing it very slowly. You know, there are little tricks that the government can play. There's tricks they can play with money. There's tricks they can play with laws. There's tricks that they can play in the court system. To just draw this out and, and not have such an impact on the people. Right? I think a lot of them are thinking, Well, you know, we, we, we really don't want the people to know what's going on. Because if they know what's going on, we're going to have a revolt on our hands. And it might be a revolt that we can't handle. That we can't sustain and we cannot fight against. Okay? So, I think what happens in these back smoke-filled rooms... In these political smoke-filled negotiating rooms, and they do exist, I think they're in there saying, gee, how, how can we pull this off? How can we get what, I, what we want? How can we achieve ultimate power? How can we make this collapse happen? Because they do want the collapse to happen. But let's not let the citizenry know about it. Or let's kind of hide it. Let's disguise it. Let's make it happen really slow. So then in the course of everyday Americans' lives, they don't feel the pain so much. And if they don't feel the pain so much, or so rapidly, if they don't feel the pain quickly, then they probably will be more okay with it. Folks, I'm I'm 100% serious. I think that's kind of the discussion that goes on in the smoke-filled political backroom negotiations. And it affects our everyday lives. You know, it's kind of like credit cards. You know, something that Everybody who's into preparedness and survival, you really, in my opinion, need to try to stay away from credit cards as much as you can. Uh, My family and I, since 2000, well, really since 2008, we've been debt-free. It started before that. We started working towards becoming debt-free through the Dave Ramsey program. I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey. We really became debt-free in 2008, and we stay away from using credit as much as we possibly can. And if we do, every once in a while, I'll, I'll be straight up. Every once in a while, we use a little bit of credit, just a tiny bit. You know what, though? We do not put anything on credit that we can't pay off in 30 to 60 days. So, and we do, and we do go ahead and pay it off in 30 to 60 days. But even that only happens about 10% of the time. But it's kind of like a credit card. It kind of just sucks you in. It just, it's real insidious. It sucks you in slowly. You know, that credit card in your wallet or in your purse is in there, and it's saying, use me, use me, spend a little bit. It won't hurt. Just spend a couple hundred dollars today. It's not going to hurt. You're not going to have to pay it off for a while. You can do it slowly at 15 bucks a month. And so you go drop that couple hundred bucks, and then the next week, that credit card in there, in your wallet, in your purse, it starts talking to you again, doesn't it? It starts saying, spend me, use me, use me, just a little bit. It's not going to hurt. Just a couple hundred dollars more. I know you want that. Just a couple hundred dollars more. It's not going to hurt. And boom, you go drop another two, three hundred on the credit card. And you put it away for a while. Week or two later, same thing. Now the credit card is getting a little louder. It's hollering at you loud now. Hey, use me, spend me. Buy that, buy that thing. I know you don't need it right now and it's not all that necessary, but I can help you. I can help you get it. And it's insidious, isn't it? And before you know it, you get your credit card statement and it's four thousand, five thousand, eight thousand dollars. And you're going, Oh my god. And then all you can do is afford to make the minimum payment of, what, 50 bucks, 55 bucks, 70 bucks a month, whatever it is. And then it takes you 15 years to pay the doggone thing off. That's the insidious nature of what I think is going on right now with the government and within this country. And it's slowly, slowly declining. And I think that's what Mr. Murat is talking about. And let me quote him. He says... I, along with many other economists, agree with many of the concerns expressed in these dire warnings. The growing debt and deficit spending is a tax on those holding dollars. Now, that's something interesting he said right there. So, let me stop the quote for a minute. He says, the growing debt and deficit spending that's going on in our government is a tax on those people who hold dollars. So don't just hold dollars. You need to hold your investments in other forms also, in addition to dollars. Hold precious metals. Hold some real estate if you can. Okay. Hold some investments that are not just dollars. Food and ammunition. Hey, food and ammunition are excellent investments, are they not? They're not dollars. Food's always going to be worth something. I mean, hey folks, we got to have food. Food and water is always worth a lot. Yeah, I've been saying this for a while, but I think ammunition is also a precious metal. When's the last time the price of Your most common ammunition that you use in your guns. When's the last time ammunition costs went down? Think about that. When's the last time that it went down? And if it did go down, how much? And how long did it stay down? And did it come right back up quite a bit? Oh, yeah. Man, I just bought some... I bought some 9mm... I'm going to talk a little bit about firearms here for a couple minutes. I don't talk much about firearms on this podcast, but sometimes a little bit I do. I just bought some 9mm steel case FMJ practice ammunition for $9 a box. Now, that was a pretty good deal. Because here in South Texas, in the in the greater San Antonio area where I live, uh, it's averaging around $12 to $14 a box. But I found some at Cabela's. For nine dollars a box and I bought several boxes. That's just practice ammunition. It's not self-defense, it's just range practice ammunition. Ladies and gentlemen when I first started training myself in the use of firearms, I started back in 2005. That same 50 round box of 9 millimeter full metal jacket ammunition Sometimes it would be on sale at Academy Sports and Outdoors for $4.98. $4.98. So, now I'm paying on the average over $10. Eight or nine years ago, it was half that. Uh, And then, of course, right after the Sandy Hook scare, it was like $30 a box. So... Uh, just a point I want to make is, when's the last time that you have seen ammunition go down in price? Okay, just think about it. So, is it a precious metal? I, I think it is. The EPA right now, the EPA is trying to ban lead bullets. Did you know that? If you didn't know that, you need to know that. The Environmental Protection Agency is trying to ban bullets that contain lead. Are they going to get away with it? I don't know if they're going to get away with it. If they were to get away with it, let's think about what would happen for a minute. Okay? Most ammunition that you purchase has lead in the bullet. You might not see the lead because it's covered with a copper jacket. and That's why they call it full metal jacket. Okay, or it's, it's one of the reasons why they call it that. But the core of that bullet is lead because lead is cheap. It's effective. But what if the EPA were to ban that? Well, then ammunition manufacturers would probably have to use copper. Copper or steel. Good quality bullets would be solid copper. Now, there are solid copper bullets out there. You can buy ammunition. I like to use it as defense ammunition. I like to use solid copper bullets as defense ammunition. But they're like a twenty a round. Okay, it's insane. It's like $30 for... Well, it's almost $2. Well, yeah, it's about $30 for a box of 20 You know, it's expensive. So if the EPA gets away with banning lead, what do you think is going to happen to the price of ammunition? Just think about it. Okay, so let's get back to Mr. Murata's article. So let's get back to quoting him here for a minute. He says, The devaluation in the U.S. dollar risks the dollar's status as the reserve currency of the world. Well, I think most of us that listen to this show, we we know that. Continuing to quote him, he says, Obamacare was the worst legislation in the past 75 years. Socialism is on the rise and the NSA really is Abrogating vast portions of the Constitution. End quote. Alright, so... Hmm... This is interesting. A Wall Street advisor and a Forbes contributor, he's thinking like we do. Wow, what do you think of that? So this is where he goes on to urge people to have a survival kit. Now... I am going to link to this article. There's actually two articles that he's written. Well, actually, he didn't write the one I just talked about. It was written by uh, somebody else that works at the uh, Washington Examiner. But they were writing about David Murata and his warnings, basically, to Wall Street. Pretty interesting stuff, huh? And then Mr. Um, Murata wrote an article... Uh, called, Is a Financial Apocalypse Coming? And I'm going to cover a little bit of that with you, but I really want you to go to the show notes, and I want you to read that. If you like to read, and you like to read things on the internet, I'm going to link to both of these. If you go to www.todaysurvival.com, and if you find this episode, okay, um... Hold on, let me see what episode this is going to be. Okay, I had to pause there to do a little bit of business, but it's episode 232. Now, getting back to the subject, Mr. Murata sort of takes the attitude that a financial apocalypse is really not what's coming He sort of has the mindset that it's going to be so gradual that a lot of the people that are trying to perpetuate the idea that it's all going to come crashing down at one time are wrong. And and I kind of, I I subscribe to that. You see, I, I don't believe in a financial Armageddon happening overnight, In other words, one of the things he says in this article that I kind of like, and this is why I think a long drawn out malaise is really going to be what's happening. You know, Mr. Murata talks about the advice that a lot of survivalists give you. They say, buy gold as much as you can get, as much gold as you can get your hands on, because that's your hedge against a financial collapse. Not so fast buying gold is good. You should have gold. Let me be clear. I believe you should have Some gold you need to buy it smart You know, you need to buy silver You should have both gold and silver but think about this. Okay, be careful about buying big large amounts of gold You know like big gold bars and things like that because how are you gonna spend that? How are you going to spend a gold bar if there is a financial collapse, if you believe that there's a complete financial meltdown? you know How about buying like a one-tenth ounce coin, a tenth of an ounce, okay? A tenth of an ounce of gold. A lot easier to spend that, right? It's a smaller amount, easier to carry it, easier to spend it. Okay, I don't want to trade. I don't want to trade an ounce of gold. I mean, I mean an ounce of gold is worth a lot of money. I mean, right now, as I dictate this podcast, gold is about $1,200 an ounce, roughly. So you got a one ounce gold coin, you're carrying around $1,200 worth of value today, at least today's value. So if we had a financial collapse tomorrow, I got a $1,200 coin. Well, if I want to barter that or trade that or pay for something, I'm whipping out $1,200. If I have a tenth of an ounce, it's only 120 roughly. So, if I need to go to the grocery store, and if somebody, if all of a sudden the grocery stores say, hey, you know, we'll take gold, well, they may only take a, t- a tenth of an ounce. They might not take a whole one-ounce coin, because that's $1,200. You get the point? Okay, so, it's Mr. Murata's advice that you should have about 3% of your portfolio as gold in gold. I, I kind of disagree. I, I, I'm not a financial advisor, but I think a little bit more than 3% is important, But but... I'll give this to you. I'm going to kind of paraphrase this, and and let you um, let you you know take it for what it's worth. And I'm going to get back to the long term malaise. You know, he said, if there really is a collapse of the money supply, it's difficult to believe that a briefcase full of nice, pretty coins will still have purchasing power to the amount that you paid for it in other words if you got a million dollars worth of gold in a briefcase and by the way do think about it if if one ounce is worth 1200 bucks you you can probably get a million dollars worth of gold into a pretty small container okay so think about that so you know he says is that really going to be worth a million bucks if we have some kind of a financial collapse And if there's not a major collapse, if it's more of a slow, long-term malaise, a very gradual, slow deterioration, which is what I think that we're in, then you're kind of stuck with the gold bullion, if that's what you bought. You know, he makes a point that gold has a low expected return of just inflation and one of the highest volatilities as measured by standard deviation. And to kind of get a little bit more detailed, I'll link to another article. Uh, One thing that he says is even though gold does tend to hold some of its purchasing power, maybe not all of it, um, it has not done so for the past 33 years. In January 1980, gold reached a high of $850 an ounce. In today's dollars, that's $2,300. For the next 21 years, the price of gold dropped to a low of $256 an ounce. Since bottoming out in 2001, it's regained about half of that. So gold's volatility means that it has both positive and negative negative runs and gold advocates try to make their case based on the positive returns from the bottom in 2001 but they tend to ignore the 21 years of decline in favor of the recent 12 years of growth think about that just think about that so if you purchased gold at its height in 1980 you lost about half of your buying power so this is something to think about and again you need to read these articles because I've kind of paraphrased them and generalized them but you'll get the point and I'm going to link to all of these so what does that what does this have to do with a long-term malaise well It's important to have gold. It's important to have silver. It's important to stay debt-free. It's important to uh, prepare that bug-out bag. It's important to store food, which food and water is probably more valuable than gold because if we do have a collapse and the trucks don't run and the trucks don't make their just-in-time deliveries to the grocery store and the grocery store runs out of food in two or three days because that's all they stock, then the food that you have on hand is going to be worth far more than the gold bullion in terms of purchasing power or in terms of usability. That's the thing. you got to look at things in terms of usability. So for 2014, that's my main focus, and I hope that it probably is for you. If we have this long-term malaise, if we have this long, slow decline, which I think we're in right now... Your immediate value of what you have stored is going to be more important than anything else. What's the value of it right now? That's what I want you to look at. So, you know, that's why diversification is so important. I would say probably have 7 to 10% of your assets in gold because gold will always be worth something, you know, gold will probably never be worth zero. Right? It's probably never going to totally collapse and be worth nothing. And even though the purchasing power of it might not, over the next 10 or 15 years, be what you think of it. If you have small amounts, if you have tenth of an ounce gold coins and things like that, and silver, small amounts of silver, it's always going to be worth something. And I can see if things got really, really tough. And maybe if the banks did shorten the money supply, and if it wasn't easy for you to go down to the ATM and withdraw money because they're out of cash, because the ATMs are out of cash, and the dollars have are only worth half of what they once were, I could see a somewhat realistic situation where you could take that tenth of an ounce gold coin, for example, or that small silver coin, and barter it, trade it. So, yeah, it would have some immediate purchasing power. But as an investment, if you're looking at it as an investment to make money off of, uh, it's kind of sketchy. It, it, I think it's okay to have. I think it's a good thing to have, but in small amounts. And I kind of agree with Mr. Murata. Um, I, think I, I think he's kind of low. I think 3% is a little too low. Um, 7 to 10% is probably a lot more realistic. Those are some of my goals. But this this is where I think this country is headed. I don't think. I think there's enough tricks and games and clever moves that the government can make to avoid a complete meltdown. I mean, think about it. They don't want that. They don't want a complete meltdown. And one of the things I like that Glenn Tate talks about in 299 Days is things do get volatile. But it seems like the government always does enough to try to keep some of the sheep happy. So that some of the sheep don't really understand what's going on. Those that do understand, obviously, are not happy. And those that do understand have been prepping, hopefully, like you and me who listen to this show. They've been prepping and they can handle it. They can handle the long-term malaise. They can handle the long-term decline. They can handle the slow deterioration of... The society that we now know and love. Why? Because they've they've dealt with it. And there will come a point where some people will get violent because they'll realize, uh-oh, my, my, uh, my dependency checks are not coming. And that's what I call them. I call them dependency checks because that's what people are. They're dependent. And so they get checks from the government. And that's what sustains them. And when those checks don't come, and all of a sudden the grocery store is out of food in two days... And the water supply is limited. Oh boy, they're freaking out because they haven't prepared, because they haven't seen the long term malaise that's been going on. Probably, I would say, the last, it's accelerated a lot in the last eight to 10 years. And, and I think it's going to continue for quite some time, probably longer than that. Now, I'm 52 years old. It's possible that before my life is over, I may never see a full collapse. In fact, it's probably likely I'll never see a full collapse. A partial collapse, yes. You know, as I mentioned in uh, on the cover of book five of Glenn's uh, series of 299 days, I'm quoted on book five. Basically, what I said is Glenn's really got a knack for predicting this long-term malaise that's probably going to happen. And it's going to happen before our very eyes and you and me, we're going to look at that and we're going to say, (laughs) guess what? Yeah, we know what that is because we, we knew this day was coming, but many people are not going to. And of course, you know, they're the ones that are going to suffer the most. I'll close with this. Think back to For those of you who are old enough. You know, think back to the 80s. Think back to the 70s. Even the 60s. You know, compare that capitalistic society. Compare that freedom to what's going on today. There was no NSA spying. There was no government telling you that you had to purchase something. Or you would be... You'd pay a fine. And it is a fine. It's not a tax Okay, but we didn't have that we didn't have the onerous regulations that we do now to start a small business for example you know starting a small business now is a real pain in the butt i mean it's it sucks it was a lot easier to do in the 60s 70s and 80s yeah, i remember the 80s quite a bit i mean I, I did most of my growing up as a young person in the 70s But, you know, I became an adult pretty much in the 80s. And so I remember those quite vividly. It was a much different time. It was easier. I think we have a lot more malaise right now. We didn't have quite the unemployment that we have right now. We didn't have people collecting 99 weeks of unemployment. In the 80s. In fact... To illustrate my point one final time before I sign off, let's go back to 1986 and I'll give you some interesting statistics. In 1986, the population of the United States was about 240 million. The federal spending was about 990 billion. Inflation was only at 1.9%. The cost of a new home was $111,900. An average of $111,000. The cost of a new home. That was the national average in 86. The median household income was about $25,000 a year. Stamps, a first class stamp was 22 cents. Here you go, a cost of a gallon of regular gas, $0.93 in 1986. A dozen eggs were $0.87. So you tell me, have we been going through this long-term slow decline and this long-term malaise? Think about that. Just think about it. With 1.9% inflation... That's uh, you know that's that's pretty decent, folks. And our federal debt—federal debt was a little over two trillion dollars. Two, two trillion, not sixteen or eighteen or whatever trillion dollars a figure that you want to assign to it. Two trillion dollars, okay, for a population of two hundred and forty million people. Uh, Far better. Than where we are today. So you see the slow decline? Now that was back in 86. So it's taken a long time. It's taken 28 years. To get to where we're at. And they've drug it out. And they've stretched it out. And they've made it happen so slowly. That we just accept it. I have a question for you. As I close this podcast. When are you going to quit accepting it? When are you going to quit accepting it? And about the only thing you can do. Other than. Vote the way you want. And of course, you know, I mean, we can only change so much at the ballot box. This show is not about politics. The biggest change is going to come from you. And what are you going to do? How are you going to prepare yourself for the next 20 to 30 years of a long-term malaise that I think is coming? And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of 2014 once again happy new year folks thanks for listening to the 232nd episode of today's survival show i want to say please join the forum go to today's survival.com click the forum button please join the forum send me an email when you join the forum this is how i keep spammers out uh register and then send me an email my email is bob at today's survival.com Tell me that you signed up and tell me what username you used. And then I'll approve your account in less than 24 hours. I'm going to do a better job of being quicker with approving accounts. Um, Some people got approved within a couple of hours. And some of them, it took quite a bit longer than that. I'm going to do a better job this year of that. So send me a quick email. Sign up for the forum. Send me an email. Love to have you as part of the forum. Uh, Don't forget about my Amazon store. If you're going to buy something on Amazon... Uh, Please go to my link, bookmark it or save it. Do whatever you have to do. Or you can just go to my webpage every time and go to my Amazon store. But it will help support the show. As I mentioned, I don't run commercials. This show is completely listener supported. Speaking of listener support, I have a Survival Champions Club podcast. That means if you want to be a champion, you want to be a champion of preparedness, a lot of experts have contributed excellent interviews. I've had Glenn Tate contribute. I've had White Bear contribute. I've had Matt Chusnick on this show. I've had Matt Brasick up in Wisconsin with Midwest Disaster Medical. I've had a lot of really cool contributors that have contributed information, exclusive information, that you've never heard on this show before. And each podcast is only about $25, and there's a place you can purchase those on my website at todayssurvival.com. So check that out as well. That will also help support the show. Tell your friends about this program. The um, more listeners we get, more listeners I get, the more active community we can have, the more of a difference that we can make. With all that said, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of today's survival show i'm bob main it's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are i'll talk to you next time goodbye